Blog Talk Radio. Stop Child Abuse Now Talk radio show, sponsored by NASCA, which stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Penelope Bennis, and I am from Sarasota, Florida. On my host team this evening is Kim Lakin from Colorado, and we welcome you to this Monday, April 10th, 2023. Um, Our show is scan number 3156. And our type of show tonight, uh, we have a, it's a special guest tonight. We have a very special guest with us this evening. She is a returning NASCA family member. Her name is Michelle Johnson, and she's from Bardo, Florida. Um, and so a few, uh, few more details about Michelle from the bio that she provided to us in a few minutes. Um, but before um, I tell you a little bit more about our special guest, I want to talk to you about NASCA, NASCA's mission, because as you know, NASCA is all about child abuse, uh, trauma prevention, intervention, and recovery. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. The first goal, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo, of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts, showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. The second goal, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. We encourage you to get involved with NASCA. Please visit our website, which is www.nasca, which is N-A-A-S-C-A dot O-R-G. Another way to get involved is to join our panel uh, on our radio, talk radio shows. They are five nights a week, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. And to call in and join the panel, the number is area code 646-595-2118. So you can call in right now to be on the panel tonight. You'll have an opportunity to ask Michelle a question um, or a comment regarding her story. It is her 
night to share her story with us. And uh, again, all you have to do is call the number 646-595-2118. Kim, my co-host, will be on, meet you on the back line and you will be uh, brought into the show um, where you will be able to interact with our guests. And even if you've never called in before, there's no experience necessary. Um, but if you'd like to support our guests or just uh, have a curiosity um, to see what this is all about, to be on the panel, we encourage you to call in. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Michelle Johnson. Um, as I mentioned, we, uh, she's our returning um, guest. Uh, Michelle has been on our show before. She is a NASCA family member. Uh, so we look forward to um, hearing and having her um, continue her story um, with us. She's from Barta, Florida. And to quote Michelle, she says, it's been several years and much has changed. In her background, Michelle was sexually abused by multiple men and women between the ages of 5 and 15. Later, when Michelle was 16, she began to be sexually trafficked. Growing up, her home was filled with addictions, violence, mental abuse, and sexual abuse. As an adult, she reports, I was able to keep my trauma in check until I was stranded in Hurricane Harvey in 2017. This event triggered memories and flashbacks of all the trauma and abuses. Michelle says, I had to seek help after realizing that my suicidal thoughts were overtaking my life. I started therapy two months after the hurricane and continue today with two traumas. She tells and shares her story to bring hope to other trauma survivors and to let them know they are not alone. I've been speaking, writing, and advocating since 2018. I blog my healing journey, so be sure to check out her blog called Being MJ Every Day. I love it. has a has a... Um, Nice rhyme and it rolls off the tongue. And um, her blog, and in, within her blog, she hopes to educate therapists, law enforcement teachers, and other professionals about the devastating effects of trauma and the process and ex- experiences of healing. Her blog is on it. It's only been the last two years that I've begun to feel love and accepted in my relationships. I put away some older, not so healthy relationships and started to develop new ones. I have begun to place more value on myself than what others think of me. She continues, I won't lie. I still struggle with whether or not I'm good enough. I struggle with the fear that my friends will leave or abandon me. But I've begun to accept that what happened to me has given me purpose. Beautifully stated. Well, without further ado, I'm going to unmute your mic, Michelle. And you are back on. And thank you so much for for coming on um, and sharing your story with us once again. Thank you. Hi. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. Uh, well, as I, you know, Kim and I, you know, do a lot of um, shows together um, for NASCA, and, you know, we always um, share with each other that we're, it's such an honor um, to host a guest who's sharing their story um, because it's, of course, you know, talking about your uh, your past, um, it helps to get it out. Um, we do, you know, relive some of those memories when we tell our story. 
um, but we also um, inspire others to to come forward um, by being honest um, and having the courage to speak the truth um, um, of our experiences. And so it's um, it's an honor to, to for Kim and I to host because we understand um, the gift of telling your story um, and, and the sacrifice, if you will. So um, thank you. Thank you so much for for joining us once again. And um, as I talked to you briefly, and I know you've, you've been a special guest on the show before, but we like to start at the beginning of one's life chronologically just to understand um, your family, the you know, family of origin, how many members were in the family and who they were, just to paint a picture, maybe where you grew up and just, you know, from your earliest memories to, to then start sharing your experiences. So if you're comfortable with that, I'll just turn it over to you. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, so I was born in Georgia, um, and I lived there for just a few short months because my father was in the military, so we moved to Texas. Um, and while we were in Texas, my parents got a divorce. So by the time I was five, my parents had divorced. Um, and then my mother remarried six months after the divorce to a man I had never met with four children, and my mom had five children. So there was a blended family of 11 of us. Um, and we had, like I said, we had never met the other kids. We'd never met him. And all of a sudden, we're living together. Um, so that in itself was pretty stressful. Um, my earliest memories are really of a lot of violence. Um, there was, my brothers had some drug addictions. And um, it was just generally a chaotic household environment. The, um, at the age of five, we, we got moved to North Carolina as soon as my mother married to my stepfather. We got moved to North Carolina, and um, while I was living there was the first time that I was sexually assaulted. Um, Again, I was still five years old. Um, I was actually in a park one day with my siblings, and they left me unattended. And there was um, a gentleman driving an ice cream truck, and he called me over to his truck, and of course, not knowing I'm five years old, so not knowing, you know, not to be around strangers. I um, went over with him, and he took me inside and um, sexually assaulted me. And I never told anyone until I was in therapy five years ago. I finally told about that happening. Um, So that happened, and then we got moved to Florida after that. Again, we were a military family, so we were moving a lot. Um, so once we moved to Florida, things things began to be really crazy because my brothers got older and they were all into drugs. And my stepfather was very violent. My mother was addicted to pain medications and also mentally ill. She, she was in and out of different mental institutions. Um, so most of the time I was sort of the forgotten one. I was the youngest of all the children. So I would be um, alone most of the time trying to stay away or stay out of trouble or not be into the chaos of the house. So um, at that time, 
um, now I'm like nine years old and my stepbrother started raping me on a regular basis. Um, kind of about a period of over two years. So um, as that's happening, I, I really, I guess because I had already been sexually assaulted, I, I just didn't think there was anything really wrong with it per se. I thought he was just being a sibling and I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure what I thought, but I didn't put it in my head that it was a really bad thing. So that um, that took me to um, oh, so my stepbrother he was three and a half years older than me. So um, he he I found out later had been sexually abused himself. So I think that's mm-hmm. where that came from. Not to excuse him, but I think that's um, where it where it began. So during so the I, time I don't we. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Michelle, I don't mean to interrupt, but are you okay if I ask you a couple questions? Because yeah. I have some questions going through my head, and, and I'm, you know, thinking that maybe those that are listening might, you know, also have the same questions. So um, you're doing a great job, by the way. Thank you so much for taking us through, you know, chronologically. And um, you've had me at um, my mom, you know, married my stepdad, and you'd never even met him, and you were one of four and he had five children so your mom announces she's getting married and all of a sudden you're in the situation living under one roof with a splendid family and you've never met this man or his children or your now that in and of itself okay yeah seven of them were boys just to throw that in okay so seven there are seven boys yes. and, two and two girls. girls. Yeah. And not only that, but, okay, so we know from, a, you know, child development standpoint, you know, in your youngest years, um, a child's, you know, sense of feeling safe and secure is very, very important um, especially during those earliest years, to have that type of um, security and 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 um, healthy, you know, attachment to the parents. Um, right. So at that young age, to be to be told that you're going to be living now and have a stepdad, and that you've never met, and it just you're thrown into this situation. To me, listening to this, and also, you know, we're, I'm an adult survivor of child abuse. I'm, so I'm relating to this thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, talk about being thrown into a completely unknown environment. You know, you're thrown into a home where you have absolutely no, um, there's no background information for this child, you know. There's no you know, uh, there's there's no period of, of getting a child acclimated in some way to the person, to the, you know, new step-siblings, to, um, and as a parent, you know, as a mother myself now, my gosh, I would make, you know, I would be so concerned about my own children's, um, 
you know, the connection in the, in the relationship and watching the relationship before any of this would, you know, would occur. I mean, I'm just saying even that, you know, even you just being told that you had this new father, new family without any transition is, that is a very, very emotionally, you know, jarring event, damaging event for a child. I'm just saying even, even that, I'm just flabbergasted. Yeah, I I think even at that age, I learned to dissociate because that was my safety, basically. Um, It was really the only way I felt like I could protect myself from everything that was going on and all the people I didn't know and the chaos and the violence. And so I I realize now that I started that at a very young age. Um, even my natural father, the only thing I knew about him, I have, I never actually lived with him because he was in the, he was away, um, deployed. So he, I never met him, but the only thing I remember about him is him hitting my mother. So Mm. there was already violence before my stepdad came into the picture. Clear and clearly. Clearly, your you know your mother. Not even I haven't even heard about you know your mother's um, treatment of you. But to me, this is already clear. Clearly, your mother is neglecting you and her children, just through the process yeah. of abruptly putting her children into this situation, new new living situation. Yeah, um, she was very stable. She was taking a lot of pain medications. Had the started with some physical problems, but then became an addiction. And she also was just not mentally stable. She was constantly in and out of mental hospitals. So I don't think I really ever bonded with anyone. I think it was just me, you know. I learned mm-hmm. to take care of myself. I did everything for myself. So you're five years old. There's an ice cream truck. What kid's not going to run over to the ice cream truck? and want to get some ice cream. And mm-hmm. I think truck in my, when I was growing up, it was an exciting, you know, um, event that happened, right? An ice cream truck is nearby. It's either stopped somewhere or it's, you know, going up and down the streets. And kids are, you know, it's a, it's a thing that is a, a fun thing. It's something, you know, the kids get excited about. Um, and so here you are um, lured over to an ice cream truck and you're um, sexually assaulted. Right. And, and I, so, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go on, please. No, I was just going to say, and and I even at that age, I knew that I had to keep it a secret. I, di- I didn't know really why, but even like I, I caught myself like preparing my clothes, trying to fix my hair, you know, just like mm-hmm. knowing that it was really bad, but I, I knew I couldn't tell anyone. Mhm. Oh. Well, or you know, sounds to me like maybe who could you have told? Right. Then, and, and all I could think is that I would be the one in trouble, not him. Mhm. Right. Because I went to talk to a stranger, you know, and was by myself. I wasn't with my siblings like I was supposed to be. So. All I knew is that I was the one in the wrong. Yeah, but now we now we know, you know, if you've had a five-year-old, you understand that 
It's not the five-year-old's responsibility to make sure that they're being looked after. It's the adult's responsibility to make sure that the five-year-old is being looked after. You know what I mean? But, of course, five-year-old doesn't know that at the time. And when you said when you were sexually, started to be sexually abused by a stepbrother who's three and a half years your senior, you know, you just kind of assume that that's from your experience from what happens. And I've heard, right. you know, in my own story and in other stories, when you're, you know, experience these things at a young age, sometimes it's hard to understand this, but I think if you're had a similar experience, we think that's just what happens. That's kind of our normal. So it just is what it is. Right. And like I said, I was dissociating so much. I had yeah. ways of coping that, you know, kept me from thinking it was my own situation. You know, it's just like the way that I stayed safe. Yep. Very interesting. Exactly. It's a brilliant mechanism children use to survive. Mm-hmm. Would you mind if I ask Kim if she had any questions? Yeah, no problem. So Hello, I was you on mute there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I was I started talking, but um so first of all, Michelle, I'm so sorry that that you had to go through that. How what incredibly scary. All of it, I mean, but, you know, just beginning at such a young age. And and I know that um, I can relate to a lot of that, a lot of, too, even today, of, of still feeling, you know, not good enough. And, and you deserve to feel good enough. Right. We can work on that together. Yeah. <laughs> you deserve it. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I know that. And then there was another thing that came up. So you never saw, first of all, you never saw your biological dad again. Is that correct? After he left? I, I did seeing him um, for a few summers after um, after they got remarried. But then it just kind of went away. Yeah, he he actually remarried again to a younger woman, and she didn't want him to have anything to do with his children, so we just went away. I'm sorry. I Because I kind of had the same thing. I was three when my parents divorced, and, um, and he just kind of went away, and we still had a relationship with my grandparents, and my brother and I would go to Arkansas every couple years, and... So we still had a good relationship with his parents. And if he was there, maybe we'd see him or, you know, if he felt like coming around, but he never. And I think um, I kind of knew, well, that he, he passed away in a car accident, so I kind of missed the fact that I never got to get to know him as an adult, you know, because you take on these whole different views of life and right. you have questions. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever been able to talk to him since or? Um, he actually passed away quite a few years ago. He he died at a very young age. Um, and no, I never got I never got to talk to him about any of it. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That's hard. And then I know you were also talking about um, so being sexually abused by your 
your stepbrothers. Did mm-hmm. your the other girl in the family was that from his from the other side? No, she was family, my, or was she your? Yeah, she was my biological sister, but she was ten years older than me, so it was kind of okay. You know, she was she was very busy at that age. You know, I'm five; she's already fifteen, doing you know what teenagers do and all of that stuff. So we never really had a bond either. It's really bond. No, because I know, um, yeah, I was going to ask if maybe she had been abused as well, but it sounds like maybe she she was older than the stepbrother as well. Oh, yeah. One of the older ones. Yeah. 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 And then I remember you saying, um, you know, that you just thought, that's what brothers do. And I remember thinking at a young age that that's just what boys do because I was abused by a neighborhood boy when I was five. And I, right. and then as, you know, and unfortunately it kind of followed me too. There were just other instances that seemed to happen. And, um, and I remember thinking, oh, this must just be a boy thing. You know, this is how boys are. That's just, you know, <laughs> and that's what we're for, right? That's what girls mm. are for. I mean, how else do you have, what other context do you have at five years old to, to try and think about it? But, right. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing and, and for being honest. Like, we know, you know, we know. <laughs> we support you and we appreciate you being on and telling your story. So thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to unmute Philip. I'm going to unmute your line. Thank you for being on with us tonight. And uh, Philip, did you have any questions or comments for Michelle? Well, I don't have any questions. I just guess I'll say that I'm sorry that you went through that. Thank you. Well, thank you, Philip. We'll be down the panel again one more time uh, before the show's over. But thanks for calling in, Philip. Mm -hmm. So, Michelle, thank you for allowing me to so rudely interrupt you, but I I already had so many questions and and I guess just comments about just what you were sharing with us because I just, my heart was just breaking for that little girl that you were describing and I had to, um, I just had to, like I said, ask some questions and and, um, put some context because for those that are listening in, even from with, within the context that we, you know, describe our experiences, um, there are, you know, people can resonate or something, something, you know, may spark a memory or, you know, spark an insight and, and it's really, really helpful. So thank you for allowing me to interject and ask the questions and, and ask the um, questions from the panel too, because it all, just, as you know, just really, really does help. Um, so I will turn it back to you and allow you to continue um, your story. Thank you. Okay. Um, so after my stepbrother had started to abuse me, I had an accident and I got burned really bad on both feet. Um, and basically, I won't get into the whole story, but basically it was lack of parental supervision. So I was by myself and um, did end up getting burned. And the day after the burn happened, my 
mom sent me to stay with my real dad because he was a medic in the military and he knew how to take care of the wounds. So immediately, that was the first time I had seen him since the divorce. So here I am with both feet burned. And now I'm staying with him and he has three new children, stepchildren, and a new wife. Once again, I'm thrown into this situation of not knowing anyone. Um, I did have four siblings that were with me, so that in the, that part was good. But um, so I'm staying with my dad, and he's taking care of my wounds. I had to, um, I couldn't walk for four months, so that was that was pretty hard. And that's horrible. Oh my yeah, god. I was nine when that happened. (laughs) And I never asked for help because, or tell anybody I was in pain because I always just felt like I was the burden. You know, I was like the one, the needy one or whatever. And my siblings would get so angry if they had to do something to help me, like get me a drink or help me go to the bathroom or whatever. They would get really angry. So I just kept it all inside. Like I learned to really handle a lot of pain at that point. And to keep so, it and to suppress it. Yeah, and it sounds like to suppress it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm mostly dissociated. I mean, I know that now. I didn't know that what that was called then, of course. But, you know, what else can you do when you're in that kind of pain? And So, exactly. uh, moving on, at the age of 11... Um, I was spending another summer at my real father's house, um, and this was the last summer that I stayed with him. Um, he left me to to stay with one of his employees because he managed a restaurant, and uh, this was a girl that worked for him, and she said she would keep me for during the day while he was at work. And so um, while she was babysitting me, she started um, – molesting me and that was real confusing because I thought only boys did that and so in I thought what she was doing was being motherly I didn't realize that mothers don't do that because I didn't really have a relationship with my mother so once again it was all out. Should this be happening or should this not be happening? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then at the age of 12, um, I started stay- staying every weekend with my aunt because she had two daughters my age and um, her husband actually started molesting me. But I was staying there literally every weekend because my parents like were tired of having children and didn't want me around or whatever. So I was staying there every weekend and he was abusing me, but I couldn't tell anybody because my parents didn't want me at home. So, um, so that, um, that went on for two and a half years. So now I'm 15, almost 16. And I had asked my parents if I could go live with my sister because Now she's married and she lives in Tennessee and has a new home and everything. And they asked me why. And I said, I'm just unhappy. I couldn't tell them everything that had happened. And they put me in a mental hospital 
So I was in that hospital for four months. And while I was in the hospital, um, I started being sexually abused by one of the workers there. Oh, my God. Yeah. So also during the time I was in the hospital, I was, like, cutting myself, trying to kill myself, and, you know, just trying to think of all kinds of ways to not be around. Um, But then I mentioned one day to someone about my uncle molesting me, and they called the police and reported it. So um, parents found out they were really angry with me and said, you know, you must have enjoyed it. Why didn't you tell? You know, are you a whore? All these kinds of things. So, um, So I really had no support even when it came out. And it was a whole thing through the court system, but eventually the charges got dropped against him. And and you have to remember this is, you know, 50 years ago four or 45 years ago. So the laws were way different then. But basically his story was that I came on to him and he couldn't resist. So uh-huh. they, en- they ended up dropping the charges and – he, and I was actually the third person that they knew about that he had molested because he did it to my two younger aunts before me. So, unfortunately. Did they, support, you know, did they speak up because they had been victims in any way besides besides the person they, that called the authorities on they heard of your uncle? They, so you finally had some, something. Curious if you're yeah, interested in anything. Did actually, um, they did actually come forward. One of my aunts was very traumatized by it, and, and the other aunt just chose to, like, ignore the whole thing. But my one aunt that tried to stick up for me, she ended up committing suicide. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I never really got much support there. Um, and then my extended family were all on the side of my uncle, like they – they loved him and adored him, and he had he has a lot of money. So basically, they didn't want to give up that all of that. So he, I don't know, he was the one that was supported. So they kind of just all made me an outcast. And this is, um, you know, it's so hard to hear these types of experiences you had because you know we just know that the acts that were, you know, committed um, towards you were just heinous crimes. Um, and those that are, you know, those that are supposed to protect you and love you um, and keep you safe are um, also, you know, committing heinous crimes, you know, um, mm-hmm. against you by uh, not protecting you and the slander and, um, you know, not I mean, not being believed and invalidated, in my own experience, I don't want to speak for you, was as painful as the abuse itself, the physical part of the abuse, the sexual part of the abuse. To me, the emotional abuse, the invalidation, the not being able to have a voice, not being believed, being blamed, um, that was that was to me more painful. Right, and it's the the psychological part of it, I think, is way harder than the sexual abuse. You know, that only lasts mm-hmm. for a minute. Psychological stuff just goes on in your head forever. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. 
it's almost like you're brainwashed into believing you're this horrible person, but yet you're mm-hmm. not even the one anything wrong, you know, and everybody's supporting this person who doesn't deserve it. Yes, that's correct. So um, while I was in the hospital, one of us there started to molest me. And and in a sense, he became my friend in that he would listen to me talk about my problems or my family or, um, you know, pretty much anything. In, In return, he was molesting me. But as soon as I was released from the hospital, my parents sat down with me and said, listen, we can't, um, we can't handle all of your issues, so we're going to move away, and you're going to live with your brother. And my brother was um, really into cocaine at the time, so he, he didn't care for me at all. He allowed me to live with him, but he didn't, like, support me or feed me or anything like that. Um, so when I was released from the hospital, this guy that I was talking to in the hospital was supporting me. He was, like, buying my gas, buying my food, and now I'm in, like, my last year of high school, and I have no way to support myself. So he began introducing me to his friends for money, and I didn't really put all that together. Of course, you know, I'm still just trying to survive, so... um he would introduce me to his friends and um, have me do sexual things with them. And then one day, another girl came to the door, and she was actually another patient from the hospital, and she told me that he had been um, prostituting her. And she she told me that he had been getting money for me as well. And I had, I had no idea because I didn't know people actually did that. I mean, I guess I was really naive, but um, so I was I was doing that for almost a year. That is, um, no one. I mean, obviously, no one ever deserves that. No one deserves that. Yeah. What amazes it, um, is that, you know, what amazes me is, it, you know, I keep hearing your story. I'm like, oh my gosh, this one. You know, I keep hoping that there's going to be, you know, someone in your corner, you know, that's, you know, going to be, I mean, I feel like, you know, I had a little, you know, the angels that were also around that helped me and gave me little deposits of something as I was going through, you know, all these years of abuse. And I, I'm not hearing many angels right now. And, you know, my heart is so heavy for you, but I'm reminding myself as you're telling your story that you're here telling your story and the amazing things that, you're doing that I read in your bio. And so I have hope, but I just, my heart is so heavy for you right now. I'm just letting you know that I'm just, I feel like I'm with that little girl right now. And I'm just, you, you got someone on your team right now rooting for you as you keep yeah. going through this. There, the there, there, there were some people along the way, but it seemed like, every person that I chose to confide in, there were some teachers and different people that paid attention to me, but I think my situation was just so much bigger than what anyone felt like they could handle. So it just kind of always ended up like I was just back, you know, back to survival, back to survival, just over and over. 
Um, but I did get married at the age of 18 um, to a boy that I met in high school, and he truly was, you talk about an angel, he truly was an angel. He um, was so kind and so respectful, and um, we had our son together, and he um, he really was incredibly amazing. The only problem was that I was felt so bad about myself that I couldn't be a wife to him. And the more wifely things I had to do, the harder it became. And so eventually um, we were married 12 years and I asked him for a divorce because I thought he deserved better than me. Mm. So um, also I had my son at 22 and he um, was diagnosed with an immune deficiency at six months old. So he was sick, really sick. And, and in a sense, it saved my life because I had to take my focus off of me and it had to become him. So in a sense, that kind of really helped me to, like, stay focused on something besides the trauma and the abuse. Mm-hmm. So uh, when my son was eight, I remarried. Um, I I met a man who I thought was amazing, and turns out he was quite narcissistic and abusive, and there was some domestic violence. He he did end up going to jail, and I took him back because, of course, it was all my fault, and, you know, I was a horrible person anyway. Um. So we were married about five years, and I finally got the courage to leave him and go out on my own. So uh, now I'm a single mom, and I have my son who's very ill. Um, his dad was very kind to me always. He never, we never had any harsh words. He, he, I think he always loved me, and I always loved him. Um, And then when my son turned uh, 18 and became an adult, he met his wife and got married. And I moved to Miami and started a new career to get away from all of everything where I live. Um, It was a whole fresh new start for me. And and it actually turned out to be a good thing because I, I got really focused on work and I became superwoman, so to speak. Um all about the abuses and and literally just lived life day to day um i had no relationships or anything so i was just free basically is how i felt so um while i'm when i'm there i got got laid off and had to move back to central florida and um everything was still going very well Um, I was just doing incredible, and then came Hurricane Harvey in 2017. Um, I had gone to Texas for uh, my birthday weekend, and the hurricane wasn't initially supposed to go right over Houston, um, but once I got there, then I found out that it was too late. I couldn't leave, Um, so basically we were stranded for like almost two weeks before I could actually get out of Houston. 
Um, wow. And it's the way I got to leave is my nephew drove me to an airport in San Antonio, and they actually were able to get me on a plane to come back to Florida. So, and then the weekend I came back to Florida was when Hurricane Irma hit. So it was like, bam, bam, two hurricanes right in a row. So that was when all my trauma really reared its ugly head, so to speak. I I mean, I started having nightmares and flashbacks, and I could see people drowning. And um, it just was between the hurricane and all the abuse, um, it just was very overwhelming and finally, like, all caught up with me. And I realized, like, how devastating everything was. So I'm... I'm going to take a break the panel again right here, if that's okay with you. Um, But having um, actually experienced my first hurricane, um, being here in Florida now, that is, you know, obviously a trauma is when something happens, you know, horrible, awful, heinous, happens to you that is not in your control, obviously. And, Mm-hmm. An event like a hurricane, um, where you are in danger, and you're really enveloped, you know, enveloped by a hurricane. And even for, in my experience, um, even the most um, well thought out planning really doesn't, because you can't control where the hurricane really, into the last minute where the hurricane's going to be headed. They can, they can project, and they can't. So it's just true. Right. This feeling of complete helplessness. Um, mm-hmm. and feeling like you're going to be buried and drowning, you know, drowning um, and suffocated. Um, and those were um, a lot of the feelings that I had my own, in my own childhood experiences of, of abuse. Um, so I can see, you know, how a hurricane, um, I get, I mean, I, how that would just, parallel so many experiences from childhood and and it's it's no surprise to me and I'm sure to a lot of us listening that that was like a conduit to having you you know some of those memories come up um, in a very significant way for you to the point where you just really couldn't ignore them anymore there comes a point I I believe um, that you're describing too is that um, in life where um, there's just too much that's being held inside and it ends up coming out from maybe from an event in a way that you just cannot ignore it anymore. You know, you have to address it because you just can't go on. Um, I understand that. I think that's what you're explaining. Yeah, and I the first time that I saw my therapist that I have, uh, she said to me, was there ever a time in your life when you didn't feel safe, like during the hurricane? And I kind of just laughed and said, maybe like my whole life, I guess. I mean, yeah, I really felt safe. And this was just the culmination of it. You know, it just was like the cherry on the cake, so to speak. It just was the tipping point where I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Exactly. You couldn't live your life as you had, you know, without addressing that pain. You know, you were stopped. Right. I think you thought you need to get stopped. 
and you have to do you have to remove remove you have to deal with what's in front of you in order to move forward. And that's a very normal thing that happens. That happens. That's that's a very common thing um, for a lot of us who've had very similar experiences to that, where there's just this moment where um, it gets real. That's where I tell you know how I explain it to myself. It got real. Like I hit a wall, and I wasn't going anywhere other than to a trauma-informed training therapist. You know, right? Because I do. It was time. It was time to address um, my past, the past. Yeah, I, um, I started having PTSD, which I didn't even know what that was, but I started having all the symptoms as if I had been in war. You know, it was like hearing things, seeing things, feeling things, smelling things, like everything was just triggering. Like I literally could not function. Um yeah. I sat on the side of a lake one night and was thinking about different ways to kill myself. And I just reached out to a friend and she came, she came and got me and that literally saved my life. And that's when I started in therapy. So it's, it's been a journey. Definitely. It's been a journey. Yes, I can, I can say, um, I understand that it is a journey and, uh, you are definitely on a journey, and it's it's. I can't wait for the next segment of the show because it's a journey that took a great a great turn um, in terms of the things that you're doing now and the work that you've done um, since Hurricane Harvey and and the blog. And um, but before then, let me go back down the panel. And Kim, I'd just like to invite you back into the conversation with Michelle. Thank you. Okay. Hey, Michelle, I I can't even imagine going through hurricanes, and so I grieve <laughs> to be living out there. <laughs> but um, but you know, I've lived I've lived with tornado warnings all my life, so I guess it's kind of the same, <laughs> right? But um, <laughs> yeah, I know it just sounds a lot scarier. I um. I was wondering, and and I'm not trying to um, minimize what you've gone through or anything, but do you know if your mom was abused as a child? Um, I found out later in life she she told me that she was sexually abused by her stepfather. Um, also, she got married at the age of 14 and had all five kids by the time she was 25. So that in itself, I think, is a lot. Um, and then, you know, my my bio father was abusive, too. So I think she had a lot of things that contributed to her mental health. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I know it's not an excuse because at some point somebody has to make that decision to break that. Right. Generational abuse. I mean, and I think that a lot of times people, you know, grow up and say, okay, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. But if they're not addressing what is going on and from all the abuse that they have as a child, then, you know, a lot of times it just naturally happens. I mean, I know that there were instances, even though 
I know that I was able to raise my kids without being sexually abused. You know, there were other instances that I could have been a better mother if I had gotten my the help that I needed when I was raising my kids. And now they're all adults now. But um and so now we're just trying to start to have these conversations. <laughs> but um you know, I understand really where you're at with that whole the whole trauma informed therapist too, because I think I've spent so many years with just um the nice therapist that I liked, you know, that we got along with. And, but when you come from so much trauma as a child, you've got to have that, that expert, excuse me, um, who can really kind of help you walk through it and not just talk about it all the time. So, yeah, and, I, you know. I had therapists when I was younger, when I first got married, but they basically talked about your current behaviors. There was never anything said about my past. Mm-hmm. What have you been through? Or it, it never really was a thing. It just was about talking about what's going on today, and that was it. Yeah. Well, and raising children and, you know, all that. That's, right. That becomes the priority. And I know that's what I did with my kids. You know, I made them, I, I made them priority although I wasn't completely healthy, so I know that I made some mistakes as well, which we all do. But um, I'm at that point where I, I'm looking into starting to get into some more of the, the trauma therapy, too. And I just left my husband 10 months ago. And so I, I've, we've been married 32 years. Oh, wow. And so that's been really hard, even on my grown children. It, it's been harder on my oldest daughter, you know, my my two oldest, than it, you know, than my youngest. Uh, but it's kind of just the dynamics that I have with my children. I've always been a little bit closer to my son because he's always been very open and self-aware. I mean, from the time he was little, he's just one of those kind of old souls who <laughs> is very self-aware and. Um, and so he'll ask me questions, and we can have really good dialogues. And um, he knows a lot about me, more so than probably my husband, and definitely more than my daughters do. So it's interesting. I, I never told my son started there. But told him it's interesting. Can't hear you very well, Michelle. Is Hello? Kind of going in and out. There you go. Were you walking oh. or something? No, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> sitting still. I heard like some static oh, too. Yeah, I heard something going on there. But okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, so I was saying that when I started there telling my son, he had no idea um, of the family issues and stuff like that, and so. When I told him, it was interesting that he said that he was glad to know because he always felt like since I was always perfect, that he thought he had to always be perfect. Mm-hmm. And that really struck me interesting because I never thought of myself as anything but terrible, you know. And here he saw me as this person who never makes mistakes. Yeah. How old was he when you told him? 33? Yeah, he was an adult, like my kids are. <laughs> yeah, very much an adult. 
yeah. Where mine has yeah. taken it a little bit different. But I, like I said, I've also got that leaving my husband. So it's been a little bit more of a, a struggle because my girls decided just to find out on their own mm-hmm. instead of coming to me, where I've been asking them for years. And that's where my, you know, my son did. He said, Mom, I know you've been telling us for years. We need want to know more to come talk to you. And so I did. But for some reason, my daughters didn't. And so it was a shock to them, I guess, what they found out, even though I do work around this subject, too. I've been doing it for seven years. And, um, but, yeah, it, I guess you just never know how, how your children are going to react. <laughs> right. And I, I'm, I'm sure that we'll get back to a good place at some point. But right now it's been a real struggle. I'm glad that it wasn't like that with your son. You guys have been very supportive and understanding. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kim. Thank you. And Michelle, um, I mean, the whole subject of, you know, okay, we're adult survivors going through, you know, the healing journey and continuing it with, you know, adult or almost adult children, completely different um, part of the um, spectrum of healing, right? Different, a different animal. Um, there's so much to navigate, isn't there? Um, a lot of different moving parts, and and definitely um, when it comes to you know our children or be you know those patterns and and our own healing and um, and also just the transparency. Um, all of these are are things that. Um, are just, you know, are things that we need to work on and work through in the healing journey. A lot of decision points um, and a lot of, and a lot of reactions is a lot to manage and, and, and our reactions of our children, you know, we, we cannot control those. And um, for me at times that was also very triggering and um, the lack of control. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So for me, I, it, in some ways it it made me feel like I still had a lot of secrets, you know, and I gave him the option to look at my blog or not, because there are a lot of things mentioned in the blog that he never knew. So it's open. He can find out as much as he wants or as little as he wants. Um, He's never really asked me questions directly about it, but he tells me that he's proud of me for the work I'm doing and stuff like that. So, we have a very good relationship. Uh, that is awesome. I'm I'm really happy to hear that. Um, but you know that is that is great, really great. Um, and I hope to aspire to that myself. You give me hope that it can happen. I'm still in the bumpy part of the ride with the kids, so thank you for sharing that. Because that's helpful. Yeah, just it's it was hard. I mean, like I said, I wanted I just basically wanted to protect him from everything. I didn't want him to know some of the terrible things about our family and how would he live with that and how would he handle it emotionally and what did I want to be responsible for that, you know? But um so that's that was part of the reason I started the blog because it was a way for 
for him and, and a few other close people in my life to know some of the things without me directly telling them. Well, it's like an invitation. It's, it's there to read if it when if and when he's curious and ready, right? And he's he was he ever right. was, um, right? You're not really suppressing or, or hiding, um, but you're um, you're giving him, you know, the option of he has a choice, and I think that's what we all really wanted. When we were children was a choice. We didn't have one. Right, and then and and kind of have some control over your own emotions, you know. Yeah. So I have been waiting to allow to bring Philip back on. So Philip, um, you uh, do you have an opportunity to interact with Michelle again? Do you have any questions or comments for her? Um, do you miss your first husband? Do you wish you would have saved him? Yes, definitely. I. I I always felt very guilty about that, but I felt like he deserved better than me. So I did what I thought was right at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had I had that same question, Philip. It's a good question. And you mentioned you're still in contact with him. He actually passed away two years ago with cancer, oh. but I was um, we were always pretty close. We we raised our son together, and everything was always really good between us. I'm um, sorry to hear that. Cancer sucks. Yeah. Did you did you have any other children? No, um, I I didn't want to have any other children because my son was so sick um, mm-hmm. that I just didn't get a chance on you know having yeah. another sick. Well, and thank you for answering my question. I know you said you'd you'd married again, and I just wasn't sure if there were other children um, or not. I didn't want to miss um, any um, just other details of your life. So thank you for answering my question. Yes, no problem. So, and Phil, did you have any other questions? I didn't want to didn't mean to to curtail your uh, time with Michelle. Um, no. Okay. Well, thanks, Philip. I will put you back into listen mode. So, Michelle, we... My computer's very slow tonight. I don't know where, if this is um, the weather in Bar... where you are in um, Barto. Bardo. Am I saying that right? Bardo? Florida? Barto. Am I saying Bar... Barto? Um, yeah. We're having a lot of a lot of rain, um, a lot of kind of like we got two inches yesterday. So my oh. cell phone, um, so, you know, um, tends to sometimes be a little choppy. So I apologize if that's me um, going in and out a little bit. But um, so here we are, believe it or not, uh, we are left. We now have 25 minutes left in the show. This 90 minutes goes by so fast. Um, so if you'd like to continue on, and I definitely want to hear about, you know, your blog, a little bit more about the healing journey in your blog and, and some of the things you're doing now. But um, the next uh, 20 minutes is yours. Um, well, you know, originally I was really involved in NASCA when I first started in therapy and was recovering. And 
and some of the people literally helped save my life. I mean, I have I have nothing but good things to say about NASCA and the people that supported me and helped me through. Um, a couple of them have become very dear and very close friends. Um, so, so NASCA, you know, again, I can't say enough about how how much it helped me. Um, in the last three years, um, well, you know, COVID started, so so that happened. And then I started having severe asthma issues. And then I lost my brother, and then I lost my father, my stepdad, who was really my only father. But um, so the last three years I've been working on things, but kind of in, in the background. I haven't really been out um, really doing any speaking or anything because I was just trying to heal from the death um, and, and then the physical issues. So I decided, you know, I wanted to get back into speaking and things like that. So that's um, kind of why I got back in touch with NASCA because I do want to be involved. Um, so I started the blog in 2018, and so far it's been read in 42 countries, which I'm really proud of, that it's reaching literally internationally. So, um, and basically my blog is, is based on my healing journey. Um, sometimes I share stuff from the past, and sometimes I share what happened today, um, it's just kind of, it's not really in any chronological order, but it's just how I started to heal and the the things that I've gone through with therapy and things like that. So that's kind of what the blog is based on. And so that's why it's, you know, being MJ every day, it's basically my, my life story and how I'm healing every day. Um, the other thing, I found out that I could draw two years ago, so I started doing some trauma art. Um, I've shared a couple of things on the Facebook page. I don't know if you've seen them, but um, so I started drawing, and I really, really, really enjoy that, and it's been a great outlet for dealing with feelings and um, especially taking care of the younger me, um, my little person. So so that that has been really, really great for me. Um, I also started doing some trauma massage. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but my massage therapist does trauma massage. And um, I've been through can you, if you would, um Can you explain what that is in a little bit more detail? Because I've never heard of that before. And I'd like um, others who are listening to it, if they're unfamiliar to, to um, um, benefit from what you So basically, she's trauma-informed, and she... Um, started my massage, you know, of course, I was terrified. I didn't want anybody to touch me for any reason. So I already had that going. But she um, basically started with um, just doing like my shoulders. And then as things came up, if I felt triggered, or, um, you know, if I felt like I needed to stop, or, you know, just take your hands off of me or whatever, um, she went with that, and we talked about it, and she cried with me. And we, um, you know, it's just it's just been really great as far as touch, learning to be to feel positive touch, and not always be triggered by it. So the last time I saw her, um, I had an hour and a half massage and never got triggered once. So I felt like really accomplished. Like 
that was just fabulous. So, so yeah, it's kind of just learning positive touch. Well, you know, I I cannot um, I cannot even get a, a manicure or pedicure. I'll be honest, because I do not like to be touched, and um, so I'm very intrigued about this trauma massage because, you know, I may not you know ever be comfortable with the full hour and a half massage. Maybe I will be, but sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, it'd be nice to actually have my toenails painted, you know. But I, honestly, yeah. I can't. You know, so I I understand the need for it and the and how it would benefit and I'm you know I'm hopeful after thank you for sharing that that it's possible so I'll look into that for myself thank you for sharing that well I've been fully clothed for every session which I appreciate that she never put any pressure on me to remove clothing or anything Um, but that is my next goal is I'm going to try to dress down a little bit for the next massage so and actually that's supposed to happen next week so um, I don't know. We're healing. We're growing. Exactly. Right. That's progress. Yeah. So I, I just like to challenge myself because I know I have I had so many tight boundaries. Like I couldn't do this or I couldn't do this or I couldn't do this because I was afraid I would get triggered. And, and, and sometimes I never actually got triggered, but I was more afraid of being triggered. So I just never did a lot of things that I wanted to do because I was afraid of that that feeling, you know, and, and would I be able to overcome? Would I be able to get my emotions in check, you know? Um, so so it's, been, it's been a journey. Um, and then I've been a part of RAIN Speakers Bureau. I know, I know you guys are probably familiar with RAIN. Oh, yeah rape and abuse uh, and incest network, you know, so I've been involved with them. I have some of their speakers training and things like that. Um, and then I also was leading, um, I, I'm not sure if you've heard of this, but it's called Trauma Reboot. And it's actually a faith-based um, peer-led program that teaches you to become empowered and overcome trauma and find renewed purpose and strength. So, um, so I've been doing that as well. Um, yeah, so just whatever I can get into and involved in as far as sharing my story and or helping others who may feel overwhelmed with the suicidal ideas and things like that. So that's really where I've been, you know, trying to focus. That's probably because you're doing so much um out there in the community um, and helping so many people um, because you're sharing your experiences and your willingness to speak and and to um, just really put yourself out there. And like you said, there's so many things that you wanted to do that, you know, you were afraid you'd be triggered, you know. And But it sounds like you've just really blossomed and, and gotten out there and just done so many, you know, incredible things. I mean, public speaking um, – and sharing your experiences is, is very brave um, and so inspiring. And I'm, I'm just curious, could you, if you wouldn't mind, maybe going to your, your blog, um, being MJ Every Day, could you maybe pull up at maybe one of your favorite, you know, shorter blogs and share it with um, us and the listeners, if you wouldn't mind? Okay. Um, I can do that. 
Um, while I'm looking, um, I will tell you that I have also been doing some studies with um, universities that have um, graduate students that are studying the effects of child abuse on adults. Um, so I've participated in quite a few of those studies, um, which has been it's been interesting, and it, it's it's very they're very grateful that you're willing to help and try to you know spread awareness. Um, so I'll just read what I blogged last night um, because it, it it actually kind of is uh, pretty relevant to what we're talking about. But anyway, um, so I wrote, today is Easter. I don't have a relationship with my extended family members, so I always spend holidays with my son and my friends. Every holiday still has some sadness, but as the years go by, my sadness has evolved I no longer crave to be around the people who treated me so bad. I no longer want to mend the relationships with them. And I no longer want to feel like such an outsider when I spend holidays with my friends. I think my sadness is more about the lost holidays and the time that I spent and the time I spent not understanding what was happening to me. In a way, I think it's grief. I truly enjoyed my holiday until I came home last night. I arrived home. I heard loud voices and I could tell I couldn't tell if they were children playing or a party, etc. I looked out the door, I walked over or I walked over to the door and because the female was screaming, I looked over and right in the middle of the road a man was standing over her, punching her as she lay on the ground. I started yelling stop and called nine one one for help. Thank God I called them because I was so mad that I was ready to jump him myself. Um, in the past, that would have triggered PTSD symptoms and maybe set me back for days. I would have been sad and spiral into depression while replaying the memories of my abusive ex-husband and how I let him mistreat me. Instead, I felt zero fear. With all the adrenaline and anger I had going on, I think I could have taken him. Thankfully, my wisest adult self decided that probably was the best idea to not get in the middle of them. I'm okay if they see me as the neighborhood snitch. No man will ever beat a woman in my presence. That being said, I would do the same if a woman was hurting a man. I believe this was a learning experience for me. I learned that I am healing and growing no better day than on Easter Sunday. Until next time, I am being MJ every day. So that's it. Thank you so much for sharing that one. Thank you so much for sharing it because, you know, I don't know how many um, of our listeners that have gone on to blogs or even thought about, you know, blogging themselves, um, even just for themselves, not even for a public audience. And so it just, it just helps to, um, you know, experience, you know, what you are um, putting out there in terms of your blog. And I just really appreciate um you taking me up on my suggestion and doing that. So Yeah, in the beginning it was hard and I would trigger myself a lot of times. But I felt like it was something I had to keep doing and it was part of my purpose. So I just continued and now now I love it. I love doing it. And I think forty two forty one other countries other than our degree, right? <laughs> Which is right. awesome. Yeah. So can you can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into um, um, helping with some of the studies um, 
on uh, child abuse um, survivors. Um, you'd mentioned that you were involved in that, and I think that's very intriguing and um, just curious as to how um, how you got involved with that and, and um, just to, if you wouldn't the, mind giving us some more details. The first one was an invitation through RAIN. They, uh, when you're a part of their Speakers Bureau, every, every um, there are different organizations that will reach out to them for either speakers or study participants and things like that. So that's how I got started in it. Um, and then one university passed my name to another university to another university. So um, it was kind of like by word of mouth after that. But that's how I initially got started in it with Brain. Okay, that's that's great. That is good, good to know. I think it's, it's just people that, you know, there's, there's so many, it, even for myself when I was just at the inception um, on my healing journey or, or, you know, points along the way where I just felt ready to um, get a little bit more involved in, um, in outreach and advocacy, it was um, helpful to, to hear about um, people like you, Michelle, um, your other experiences and how you got, you know, involved in the different ways um, to get yourself out there and, and get involved um, in some of this activism work and, um, and outreach. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, it just helps us all. Um, and you're so inspiring because it just yeah for me I think do it hello oh, I just said you set your mind something and you just do it it's great yeah um, for me it has a lot to do with my faith um, you know I'm a Christian and part of I feel like this is part of my purpose and it took me a very long time to even find a reason. Uh, for the abuse or to make it acceptable in my life. So um, now I'm, you know, I have a story to tell. And so I, I believe there's a reason for that. And that's, that's part of the reason that I do it because of my faith. And we've heard that um, the faith component for a lot of our um, NASCA family members and some of, some of us in our own stories has played a big role. Um, in our road, in our continuous, you know, journey, um, um, moving forward in our lives. So I, um, I know I'm looking at the time. We've got 10 minutes left, um, and I just wanted to one more time open up and um, to Kim and see if Kim has any more questions for you tonight before I start to wind down the show. Hi, thanks, Penelope. Hi, Michelle. Um, hey, Kim. I don't. I guess I don't really have questions. I want. I wanted to just let you know because it sounds like um, you want to be open to things that are out there that you can help and maybe bring to your community. Yes. And so I am um, an instructor and a facilitator for Justice to Light, Stewards of Children, mm-hmm. and that's a really great nonprofit as well that you could look into and if that if if it's something that you felt called to to get into um I too felt like 25 years ago I felt like God talked to me and told me that I would be doing this work somehow and I never knew exactly what that would look like and it took over 20 years you know before it finally was fulfilled and and that curriculum that I'm now going out and teaching that's a two-hour class for adults on how to 
recognize, respond, and respond appropriately if, if something happens if, or if a child comes to you with their, their secret. So um, it's a two-and-a-half-hour program. In Colorado, we've been able to have funding through the Colorado Department of Early Childhood Education. They've been funding it for the last six years. And so I can take these out into my community for free. And um, not only that, but I get to bring food. And if they need childcare, I can pay for that as well with the grant money. So um, it's encouraging, you know, to, to hear of all these different ways that we are opening this up and we're talking about it because that's what always kept it going was the secret. And so us opening up about it and talking about it and getting it out there and letting parents know that they can talk about it as well and that they can be open with their children you know, age appropriately, <laughs> and right. you know, that's what this program also does. This kind of teach you a little bit how to talk to kids about it as well, because it's a scary subject, and it hasn't been this well opened, I don't think, ever. And so it's time, you know, for us to take that step. And then I always say it's also time for adults to take back that responsibility, because right. we've been putting it on children for too long. Mm. At the time, we don't even know what has happened to us, especially as, as five-year-old little girls. You know, what did just happen? I wouldn't have thought that was abuse. As a matter of fact, I thought maybe I just wasn't mature enough for that. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's amazing how, how kids think. But, yeah, so if you're interested, you can check it out. You can definitely take the course. You can take the course, the two-hour class online um, on your own if you want. If you... Um, are interested it's only ten dollars online but if you type in flip the switch and that's to anybody who's listening as well that's an open invitation you can type in flip the switch and um it'll the two-hour class will be completely free and if you do it online you can stop and start and so that's kind of nice too um i like taking it out into my community because we get some really good conversations going you know when you've got a big group of people together so and it's just been very healing for me to know that I'm out there educating other adults so that we're protecting children. So thank you for everything that you're doing as well. And, you know, I'm definitely going to – I friend requested you on Facebook. So um, okay, hopefully awesome. we can get to know each other. <laughs> yes, thank I'm definitely in, in hearing everything that you're doing as well. I'm – I'm always open to any new ideas, you know, any place that I can help or uh, volunteer or whatever the case may be. Okay. So, and I'll, then I'll reach out to you. I'll just send you a, a private message as well. And we okay. can get the conversation going if you have any questions. Yeah. Yep. Have a great evening. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having us. You're welcome. Thank you, Kim. So, Philip, I um, unmuted your line. Do you have any other questions or comments for Michelle? Okay, well, I think maybe, I know Philip's still listening, but maybe he just doesn't have any questions right now. So, I will um, turn him back. Hello. Oh, there you are. No, thank you, but I don't have any more questions or comments. Okay, thank you, Philip. Thank you. So, Michelle, I have one more question for you. And by the way, I, I remember you. I believe that I hosted um, 
think I did host your first one of your other appearances on NASCA because although you're probably not the only Michelle with one L, but <laughs> my best from high school is Michelle with one L. And so I think that I was your host because I think I stated that I knew you were Michelle with one L. And I got that. Oh, okay. Well, I, I've been on the panel many times, too, so maybe yeah. that's... That could yeah. be it. Um, but I have, I, am, I, am, I have a keen awareness for the spelling of Michelle because my best friend from <laughs> high school was Michelle with one L. Don't even think about putting two L's in there. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm very conscious of, of the spelling of names and especially of Michelle. Um, right. And I respect that. So I have one more question for you, and I just was curious is if you um, if you do keep in contact with any of your siblings or step siblings, and if any other um, of your family members have um, gone and started the healing journey like yourself. Um, so four of my siblings have passed away, um, Sorry. mostly drug and alcohol abuse. Um, my I I do I do have contact with my sister and two of my stepbrothers. The one stepbrother that raped me actually came to me this year and apologized just out of the blue. Um, right after my dad passed away, he he wanted to know if I was part of or if he was part of the bad things that had happened to me. And I and I told him yes, he was and. He apologized, and he was young and didn't know any better. But, you know, I, I wasn't really looking for uh, an excuse or whatever. You know, it just is what it is. And so I let him talk, and, and then that's the end of it. I really haven't had any contact with him since then. Mm. Wow. Um, in well, in a way, it was, you know, in a way it was, it, it made me feel good that at least he owned up to it, you know. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for you, um, and I can't speak for him. You know, maybe that was difficult for him. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I think that's a hard thing to do. You know, it's so hard when you're, um, for me, I'll speak for myself, in the healing journey, um, but the topic of um, – of, of this um, holding our perpetrators accountable, you know, some perpetrators will actually acknowledge and, and own the abuse at some point um, in their lives, and sometimes it's the end of their lives, and, and some never will, you know. And as a and as a uh, going through the healing journey um, to heal um, non-contingently, you know, when I say non-contingently, knowing that you may not ever get that acknowledgement and, and healing is part of, you know, learning how to live with that. Um, right. And still knowing how to move forward with, with you know, there's some lack of closure on some level. Um, so I think your attitude is great and I admire you for it. Um, you know, um, and I appreciate you answering my question. Um, I really do. So thank you. I'll just say well, that um, you guys giving me on. the opportunity to tell my story because it is important. It, it's important for my healing. Oh, well, absolutely. Anytime. Um, and as you know, you know, 
once you're a member of NASCA, you're a member of the family forever, as long as you speak. Right. Uh, and uh, NASCA is, you know, always here. And um, and I agree with your sentiments. There's, you know, NASCA is a network of some really incredible people. Um, and I've I've gotten so much help in my own recovery from my NASCA family. And I'm so happy to hear that that's been your experience as well. Um, so, um, you know, we appreciate you um, as much as you appreciate us. And I really do wish to thank you for coming on. Um, you're just so inspiring and um, and uh, it's just been a privilege um, for me and um, and for NASCA, I know for Kim too, that to host you as you, you revisit um, your story with us on NASCA and you are helping so many people and um, this show is a, is a small part of that, so thank you. And as I sign off, I want to thank Philip for calling in. Um, as I always say as I end the show, um, there are enough adult eyes and ears on this planet to keep our children safe. So if you see something, if you hear something, please say something, do something. It's our responsibility as adults to take action. So thank you, and good night. Thank you. Good night. Love Talk Radio.